Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our podcast offers friendly conversations with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by Learn Behavioral and the Learn Provider Network. Now here's your host, Richie Plush. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Autism Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Learn Behavioral Network, a leading provider in ABA services across the country. I'm your host, Richie Plush, and I'm glad you're here this week. I'm going to be meeting with Laura Sharon to talk about telehealth and tele-ABA services. I get the sense that there's so many uh, types of appointments now that are available virtually and via technology, from a doctor appointment to schooling to social interactions. So much of that is being done via tablets or laptops or cell phones in a way that really hasn't been done before. And so what Laura and I are going to talk about is a lot of how we can overcome some of those barriers and how to really make this successful. Um, I get the sense that that telehealth and tele-ABA are going to be around for a while, even after COVID-19, as it's really shown that we can provide ongoing services to families in unique situations, whether they be uh, far away, whether they live far away from clinics, um, whether they can't have people in their homes for whatever reason. Um, And so it's really important. I think it's a really important conversation for us to dive into, and I hope you find some value in it. With that said, uh, Laura, thanks for joining us today. Glad to have you on our podcast. Thanks for having me. So I want us to get started. What's, uh, can you tell us a little bit, like, what is tele-ABA? I know we just talked about it a little bit, but what, can you define it for us? Sure. So tele-ABA is just receiving ABA services uh, through a virtual medium, as you said. So it could be through a video conferencing platform most frequently, or there could be a portion that might be through phone services as well, but it's the same ABA therapy services just provided with a different medium when you're unable to get people face-to-face in the same area. Right, right. And for many of our families right now, we're in various stages of not being able to access clinics or not having people come to their homes, or it may just be that, you know, because of uh, health risks that they're, that they're maintaining social distancing a little bit more so. Um, so different places and different families and all sorts of different needs. But, w- you know, what are some things that, that families can expect when they sit down to do telehealth? What, what can a session look like? So the sessions can look um, different depending on each family and their particular needs and situation. There's a handful of different models that can be utilized. Um, There's one model, which is similar to traditional ABA, where there is a behavior technician who's physically present in the home, but the behavior analyst who is supervising those services is not going to be there present in person, but they're going to dial in through a video conferencing platform so that they can supervise the services and provide training as well. So that's just one model. Um, Another model could be where there is nobody in the home, which is certainly something that we're seeing a lot more of right now. Um, And so all of the services are provided through that medium. So that can look like parent training where the BCBA or behavior analyst is meeting with the parents through video conference to provide feedback and consultation on some problems that may be arising right now due to the current circumstances or just maintaining skills that they were working on prior to having to put in-person services on hold. Or it could be where we're still providing some direct intervention with the child through the video conferencing platform. And some kids are able to do that where they just interact with their technician on their own and some of them need a parent to be helping with those services. 
Right, that makes sense. I want to talk. Can we? I want to talk a little bit more about the parent training piece of it. I mean, that's so important in any program that we have, and it's such a it's such a key element. And I think it's required in just about all, if not all, of our of our programs and all of our sessions. It, is it is it really that different if we're doing tele tele ABA parent training and then if we were doing face to face, like in home parent training, or is it just that we're accessing it via different media? that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's really not very different at all. Um, it is just the same service being provided through that video conferencing. So you won't expect to see too many differences from what your traditional parent training would look like, except for that there may be a little bit more role play um, through the video. So the behavior analyst kind of modeling things and the parent trying it on their own. So a little bit less hands-on, whereas the behavior analyst might typically be modeling that with the child directly. So that's really the big difference, but otherwise it is just the same service that's being provided with somebody just in a different room. That's great. I mean, you know, with so many things changing, it's it's nice to be able to have some consistency and and for parents to be able to learn some skills that we're trying to teach them. I think that's really important. Um, we've always said as clinicians, it's not what we can help our clients do. It's what they can do when we're not there. And I think that that parent education piece is really important for us to to help those clients generalize generalize skills, right? What can they be doing on weekends? What can they be doing on holidays? What can they be doing during times that we're not there, where we're not face-to-face? Now is a really good time for us to focus on that parent training piece and really help parents have a, a variety of tools in their tool belt, if that makes sense, so that um, as things are coming up and as things are changing, that they're able to adapt as well. Absolutely. Um they, there's a lot of new problems that are presenting themselves for everyone right now with the drastic change in routine. Um, so, of course, our clients are feeling some of that, and children with autism are certainly um, dealing with a very changing routine and, and lack of structure. And so that's created some new problems as well. And so having such easy access to tele-ABA services and parent training has really allowed us to provide support really consistently to families during this time and to really work on some of those goals that have suddenly presented themselves now as being important. I should say, too, that we were um, in the region that I work in, in New Mexico, we were providing some parent training with tele-ABA prior to um, the COVID-19 emergency as well. So many of our families were already used to providing services that way. So um, not only have we been able to focus on new problems that have presented themselves since COVID-19, but it was a system that we found to be really effective prior to just providing additional access to behavior analysts to provide feedback to parents um, on just the day-to-day um, issues that would arise or just carrying over those ABA treatment goals within their home when we're not there. That's great. I think with that insight, I would love to know what are some, uh, what are a couple of things that families can do and clinicians can do to start off a telehealth session? I, I mean, I imagine it's a little bit different than face-to-face in that you can't play those games and, you, you know, there's not as much of the, let's go in the backyard and, you know, play with bubbles or, you know, whatever it may be. What are some what are some tips that uh, you would give to parents and clinicians when they're just starting a tele ABA session? Yeah, so I would definitely tell parents to um, take a deep breath and to not get too stressed. You know, it isn't as different as it and scary as it may sound like. Um, 
although we are not physically there to play bubbles, we still are able to interact a lot. I was in a tele-ABA session this week where I was propped up right on the water table where the family was playing with their child in the backyard, and I was still interacting with the kid, able to make sounds, and he was able to copy me through the tablet. And so, you know, it is something that we're able to really still be a part of the family's routine moving throughout the house um, as we're following whatever they would naturally be doing. But when you're first sitting down, I think the first couple sessions, it's just important to make sure that you're comfortable with whatever video conferencing platform you're using. So maybe trying that platform out once or twice before the mm -hmm. session starts to make sure you're comfortable with technology, making sure that you're, um, you have a place that you can connect where you're able to get a good connection and talk to your team members as well. Um, and just making sure that you've kind of prepared if you need any materials. Um, sometimes your behavior analyst may ask you to bring specific materials. Sometimes they won't. So just kind of going through your checklist, making sure also that you've really asked the behavior analyst questions before. I think sometimes parents are anxious or worried about what it's going to be like, and, but they don't ask. And so we always want parents to, to tell us what they're worried about so that we can really talk through that and troubleshoot before we're in the moment. Yeah, that makes sense. It's also important, and I would encourage um, parents and clinicians to make sure you're communicating what's working and what's not working. I mean, Absolutely. It, it's the same as if you were in the home, if, you know, uh, if being there when grandma's in the room is hard, I'm making up an example, then do it at a different time or, you know, switch rooms or go in a different place in the home if that's, a, if that's available. I think being able to communicate and advocate for what's working is so important for any parent. I would encourage you have open communication. This is a time where we need more communication, not less. So make sure you're calling, texting, emailing, all that stuff ahead of time and also you know, being able to communicate in the moment is going to be really beneficial as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, before, during, and after, we want to hear feedback from parents. So what's working and what's not. And then we just can troubleshoot and figure out a way to get around any barriers that may present themselves. We've definitely been working hard as an agency to be creative and flexible. And like you said, if something's not working with the time of day, maybe you have a Zoom call that you need to do for a school system, then we will change that and make sure that we're accommodating so that we're there at a time that's not stressful and adding to additional stress for parents. So then what are some what are some benefits of a telehealth session or maybe you can share some success stories that you've had also Absolutely. So we've seen a lot of benefits. Um kind of prior to COVID-19, um I referenced earlier we are um I provide services in the state of New Mexico and we're a fairly rural state, so we've always as a state used a fair amount of tele-ABA services here so that we could make sure families in rural areas who lived further away from clinicians got better access to services. So that's something that's always been a really great application. But obviously right now with the COVID-19 emergency, um, the need for services that are not in person has drastically increased. And so what we've been able to do is really prevent some of our kids from losing access to services if we're unable to go into their homes. And so we've been able to really see some continuity of care, continuing their program fairly seamlessly at a time when we, it's just not safe or available to have people coming in in person. Right. I think that's so important. I mean, for a lot of us, schools are closed, which means some some of our clients are not getting school services, but they're also not getting home services. And so to go from, you know, being in school plus getting 
ABA services after school or whatever that may look like to nothing can be a can be drastic in terms of maintaining those skills. And also, um, you know, that big of a change can really trigger a lot of different behaviors. So being able to offer some support may not be at the intensity of, of time that what we were doing before, but it, it's still something. And I think being able to maintain those skills during this type of crisis is, is huge so that we're not going into the next school year with all of these new behaviors and all of these new things that we have to readdress, right? We don't have to reteach a lot of skills already. Absolutely. We want to make sure that kids are maintaining skills that they've learned previously. We want to make sure that they're generalizing those skills, so applying the skills that maybe they learned with their therapist or in a clinic setting to the home, to their family members as well, just making sure that they're not losing any ground in this time so that when we can resume at a normal intensity, we're not having to catch up or reteach, just as you said. So that's been one incredible benefit of services. I think something, too, that you mentioned briefly was just really being able to support families with the new problems that have arisen at this time. Um, and that's certainly not just children with autism. I think every child and adult right. right now is having a hard time adjusting to the incredible changes that have come so quickly to everybody's routine. And so with change in routine comes new problems that present themselves. And so um, we've really been able to help with a lot of families to troubleshoot and try to immediately provide support for families so that they're not at home dealing with so many more new problems without getting that support that they're used to. So that's been another incredible benefit as well. Yeah. I'm, you know, to that point, I've noticed not just with my own, with my own children, but also with just some of our clients that, uh, you know, doing schoolwork at home presents a whole different set of um, challenges and, and opportunities for us to intervene in different ways. Um, certainly my children are having a, a difficult time being in a classroom setting, um, trying to access that at the kitchen table with their, uh, with their tablet. And it's created some challenges and we've seen some behaviors both before and after from my, from my personal kids that we haven't had in a while. And so similarly with clients, it's how do I deal with, not being in this environment and it just presents it presents a variety of challenges and ways for us to get to know our clients differently it it creates an opportunity for us to know our children better and also know what's going on at school a little bit better and so for parents being able to see how our sons and daughters are tackling schoolwork and be able to get that support from our clinical teams i think it's going to be really beneficial also Absolutely. And I think something that we've really been able to do has been support some of the families in creating a structure and a routine that is new and, and necessary during this time. So like you said, doing schoolwork at the kitchen table is very different than going to school and sitting at your desk every day and doing schoolwork. Um, there's less of a time schedule that's set up for everyone. So something that we've really been helping families with is creating a routine right now and helping their children to mm -hmm. get used to a new routine and helping them to pay attention to schoolwork, helping them to be motivated to do their Zoom session maybe with their classroom teacher as well. So providing parents with some support on how to navigate those new challenges. While many parents are also trying to figure out their own routines differently, working from home themselves and things like that. Right, right. That makes sense. I'm hearing a lot of great things about telehealth, um, but I know that that doesn't come without any challenges. What are some, what are some barriers that you've seen in implementing a telehealth session? Yeah, so there's certainly barriers as there are with any kind of services, um, and especially when we are changing the way that we provide services so quickly and kind of our world is changing so quickly around us. So I think one of the big 
barriers was just kind of scheduling initially. So when do we do this and what does it look like? And, you know, if your child was previously getting 20 hours at a clinic, what does that look like at home? And so what we've really wanted to tell families and our clinicians as well is to just understand that this is going to be a learning curve for everybody and that we're going to work with every family and every team to make sure that we are individualizing their service plan and making sure that we're coming up with services that are appropriate for them. So that will look different for different families, and we may not get that schedule or that routine right on the first try, but we're here to troubleshoot and to fix it and modify it until we figure out a plan that's best for every family. Um, I referenced the different kinds of services that we are able to provide earlier telehealth support with a technician in person, parent training, things like that. But those are not one-size-fits-all models. We're able to do hybrid models of those as well. So Mm -hmm. there may be weeks where we have less of a need for parent support, and then suddenly we need to provide a lot more of that. There may be weeks where children are able to do some more direct intervention and other weeks where we have to pull back a little bit on that to allow for other scheduling needs. So I think it's really important for everyone to remember that this is a flexible program and that things can change as, as the world changes around us and as the needs change of each child as well. And that flexibility really, you know, it's also one of the benefits. I mean, I I know for some of our clients, we've worked on uh, bedtime routines and it's been, you know, Hey parents here, here are some suggestions. We'll check in with you when we see you in the next couple of days. And then they go through and they try it. But now there's a little bit more of a flexibility where we can help with that via telehealth and, sort of be watching so that we're not in somebody's home at 830 at night, but we can be on camera at 8 o'clock at night or something like that and and support that way. So I think that flexibility is really, it's really beneficial for a lot of families for us to help them tackle um, challenges that they had before um, that we hadn't been able to address because of scheduling or because of, you know, parents and homes and their schedules and all those types of barriers. Absolutely. I think, you know, the barrier of scheduling really has been overcome with the benefit, as you said, of flexibility of sessions. So we've been able to really be there a little bit more um, flexibly than normal when we really have to maintain consistent schedules for our staff, factor things in like commute time and things like that. Um, But right now we're able to really flex our hours to to address the needs that are most pressing. And like you said, maybe we can come in and through video conference at 8 p.m. when we wouldn't be able to send staff there in person. And then once that bedtime routine has kind of settled and the child's doing well, then we can move that time to another part of the day where there's another issue that we want to address or another skill we want to work on. So the flexibility is is really an incredible benefit, I think, of tele-ABA services and something that we've really seen some success with as well. Um, I can tell you, too, another little success story that we've had. Uh, One of our clients here, we we discovered only through this process that one of the struggles that mom has always had prior to COVID-19 is that her child gets very upset anytime she tries to video call her family. And this is something that's really important to her. She has an older mother, and she isn't able to see her in person very often. And so video calls are really meaningful for her and her family, well, only because of this experience did it come out that this has always been a barrier and so what we've been able to do is really work on the child getting used to mom talking through video call with our staff and we're able to do that multiple times throughout the day for very short time so that he's getting used to it faster but it's something that 
not only is incredibly meaningful right now, but is meaningful before or after the COVID-19 emergency Mm -hmm. as well. So typically it would be hard to maybe schedule three different calls in a day, but that's something that's very easy to do right now. That's great. That's great. It it sounds like what you've really done is um, instead of having these larger programs with more comprehensive programming, you know, in terms of addressing a variety of language skills, social skills, communication skills, self-help skills, you know, covering everything, you've really been able to focus on one or two bigger type um, programs all at once, like one or two bigger goals, I should say. So maybe a bedtime routine, maybe some of these behavioral targets, maybe toileting. Is that really what you're doing is just kind of focusing on a few things at once or a few things as opposed to a variety of things all at once? Yeah, so it's certainly different for different children. We've been able to adjust the treatment plans for different clients based on what their services they're receiving and their greatest needs. But as a whole, I would say definitely we are working more intensely on fewer skills and really focusing on those skills and really being able to make some intensive progress during this time. Um, We're really focusing on things that are really meaningful for families, um, pivotal skills, so skills that they can learn now that will then be applied to different areas of learning going forward. Um, We're able to work a lot more with families as well who are home with their children. And um, I can give an example of play skills. That's something that's come up a lot. Suddenly my child has so much free time and he needs to figure out how to occupy that time. And so, and I think that's a issue that parents could relate to of any children right now. And so what we're seeing now is we really need to focus a little more maybe on with one child on independent play skills. And so the parents are able to really focus on carrying that over now, whereas maybe before they didn't have as much time in their day carved out for that necessarily. So that's been something that's been really rewarding as well to help with. That's great. Yeah, I mean, that's a much better alternative than just doing tablet time or TV time. And we've talked before, um, not in this episode, but in other episodes about how to minimize screen times, but that's certainly a great way to do it is to have, have an independent play program built into your telehealth sessions. That way your, your clients or your sons and daughters can go and play for 20 minutes or 15 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it may be and give people a break, but it's not just access to TV. So that's fantastic. Absolutely. And I think every parent can relate to needing some time to go make dinner or take care of things that they need to do around the house, but it can be challenging to entertain your kids. And so it is good to work on other ways besides screen time, um, although we recognize that that will certainly has increased for every child right now, and that's okay. But um, it's good to have a variety of activities. And not only independent play, something else we've seen a lot here is working on social play with siblings. Um, A lot Mm. of times siblings have their own schedules and they're both very busy and they both attend school and different maybe extracurricular activities, but suddenly they're home together a lot more. So we're working a lot on siblings playing together, interacting, taking turns, playing a variety of games, getting along and sharing toys and just things that didn't necessarily present themselves as often in the past or there wasn't as much of an opportunity in the past because kids were so busy with their own schedules. So that's been something that's been really helpful as well. Um, And I think another barrier sometimes, too, is, well, what is my other child supposed to do if I'm on this tele-AVA session? And often we're really able to incorporate that kid in so that it's really providing support for that whole family and not just our client. That's great. That's great. I love that you're, you know, assessing the whole situation and figuring out 
creative ways to support each individual family. I think that's so important. Absolutely. I think that's something that was, is always important. We always try to be creative and we always individualize our services for our clients, but it's even more important right now when everybody needs to be creative in how they're handling things right now. So it's been something that's right. been really successful. Right, right. If you could give one or two piece of, uh, pieces of advice for families or for clinicians, uh, what would you say to them as they're getting telehealth sessions started? I think the most important piece of advice is just to remember that things are incredibly different for everyone, and this situation is new for everybody. And so not to have overly high expectations that everything needs to be perfect the right first time. And it's okay that if it's not perfect. Um, as we said before, communication is key. And so just being really communicative about what is working and what's not so that we can evolve the program over time and change it to best fit the needs of each family. And as I said earlier, I the needs may change over the weeks, and that's okay, and we can evolve our program to make sure that it's addressing needs as they change and evolve throughout this situation. So I think not putting too much pressure on yourself as a parent to feel that it needs to be perfect immediately and realizing that it will be a process and that it will get easier over time, I think is something really important for people to remember right now. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. And, you know, to your point, communicate what's working and what's not and make sure that you're checking in I like that that check-in before, during, and after. I think that's critical in all of this. Absolutely, and, and we always want families to know that they're not bothering us. They're communicating their needs. That's what we want. They're an incredibly important part of this team. And as we're all figuring out how to navigate things that are so different right now, it's just important to be open about what's working and what's not so that we can really change and adjust and make sure it's the best program for your family at this time. But we've really seen a lot of success, and we've seen some children that maybe were confused and initially not very interested in engaging through a tablet with their technician. And we've tried to be really creative and playing games over the tablet or the computer and playing videos and really interacting. I've had a clinician who plays hide-and-seek with their um, client, and he hides the tablet throughout the house, and then the other person has to go find the tablet. So really there's a lot more that you can do with it, I think, than some people think initially, and certainly that I even thought initially. And we, I've been really impressed with the creativity and perseverance of our clinicians to try to figure out the best ways to make things fun and motivating. I love that. I love that. Laura, thank you so much for jumping on today. I really appreciate your insight and your knowledge, particularly about this topic. It's so beneficial for so many families and clinicians. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be able to share this information with families. And I think, you know, some people may be a little bit nervous about starting, but I would encourage everyone to give it a try. Um, I think it can be more beneficial than it may seem and really be something that can help your family right now during such a difficult time. I hope you enjoyed that conversation I had with Laura. I really felt that there was a lot of key information in there, and I, I hope there's some things that you can use to get you started. This podcast is coming out re more regularly, and that's intentional, and there's a lot of folks that put in a lot of hours to make this happen. And so I just want to give a special shout-out to Christina Hempstead, our producer, and Chad Kutzian, our editor, for being flexible and making this happen every week. I know it's a, it's a, it's a good undertaking, so thank you both. Um, with that said, you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram at Autism Therapies. And if you have a show suggestion or any other feedback, feel free to send us an email at allautismtalk at learnbehavioral.com. And feel free to subscribe and rate us at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, stay safe, be well. 
We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. This podcast is brought to you by Learn Behavioral, the leading network of providers serving children with autism and other special needs. Visit us at learnbehavioral.com. Listen to previous episodes at allautismtalk.com on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time.